Hello and welcome to the What The Heck podcast, a show that looks at mysteries and the unexplained. I'm your host, Glenn. Every week I look at something unexplained, telling a story or describing it, then look at the theories surrounding it. I won't give you any answers because I don't know them myself. I'll just give you what you need to decide for yourself. Research is done as academically as possible and references will be given after the stories. This is a creature feature episode. This one is a folklore episode. This week, we're looking at a creature that is used as the name for children's stories. We're looking at fairies. Fairies are a really broad subject. When we talk of fairies, we think of the tiny winged people who are filled with magic. But that's not the only form they take. Goblins, brownies and even the banshee count as fairies. I won't be going into all of them since I've looked at a couple of them already. Today we're looking at the little winged people and not the wider spectrum of them. I've split that down on purpose. The word fairy dates back to the Middle Ages in European folklore. They appeared in written and oral tales, playing significant roles in cultures and religions across the world. They appear in the Gandhava, a Sanskrit story, in Greek mythology, and are the namesake of fairy tales. Fairy comes from Old French, but we don't know the exact source to pinpoint its full origin. Some believe that fairies were originally deities, suppressed as traditions due to the rise of Christianity. As that grew, fairies lost their godly status and became magical creatures so that people could have their traditions preserved. Some even believe that fairies were prehistoric people. The claim is that they inhabited Western Europe until the Celts arrived and drove them out. Their name survived but they became legends instead of people. The fairies we know today are an amalgamation of various Celtic and Germanic folklore sprinkled with Irish folklore in more modern times. Fairies are known as a type of fae creature. These creatures come from a different realm, the realm of the fays. It's where the other spelling of fairy comes from. It shortens to Fey, which is where the name comes from. It shows that the two spellings mean different things and aren't as interchangeable as we believe in the modern day. In Greek mythology, fairies appeared in Argonautica, the story of Jason and the Argonauts. In this, Jason is forced into a maze where fairies come to help him find his way. They're in the main cast of the Shakespeare play A Midsummer Night's Dream, where we see the king and queen of the fairies, Oberon and Titania. They also appear in a lot of classic fairy tales like Cinderella, which shows the fairy godmother helping Cinderella out, and Sleeping Beauty, where the youngest of seven fairies gifts the princess with ways to prevent the curse that she is given by the oldest fairy, who believed she had been slighted. 
fairies are often seen in European folklore, with each country having different lore depending on where they are. For instance, in Ireland, fairies have been part of culture for centuries. I covered the Tour de Danan in Creature Feature 34 when I talked about banshees. In this folklore, the fairies were once gods, forced into hiding when their home was attacked. They are the fair folk, depicted with supernatural beauty. They live in a different realm, and entrances can be found all over the place. Caves, tombs, and even tree hollows and roots are notable places to find them. According to Irish folklore, humans and fairies interacted frequently, and humans learned to get along with them, but also learned ways to prevent them from playing their tricks. They protected their homes with marigold and primrose garlands at the door, and ash, rowan or blackthorn wood inside their homes. Personal protections looked like a bag of clovers around the neck, turning your coat inside out, or carrying iron or salt with you. The trickery of Irish fairies is a big part of the folklore. People are said to have been stolen by them, either mentally or physically. Some tales involve loved ones coming to save them with help of someone else who has braved the fairy realm. Instructions for these quests were very specific and had to be followed exactly. Sometimes the task is completed with no problems, but others show that time works differently in the fairy realm. Other tales involve humans being servants for the fairies, for either a year or seven years. Seven years was better, since spending that amount of time with the fairies would give humans a special gift. The only downside was that these people weren't allowed to talk about it or point out the fairies, or they would lose their voice or memory. Irish fairies love to party, and their forts, round stone structures that appear in all sorts of places, are said to be where these parties are held. If a fairy invites you into one of these low structures, they can transport you to their realm, or even to a different part of the world. If you reject the invitation, they can get mad and invade your home, causing all sorts of problems. The way to save someone from a fairy fort involves pulling them out with the branch of an ash tree. Over time, the full fairy folklore of Ireland has been watered down by Christianity. But that doesn't mean that it's totally gone. Fairy folklore is still a massive part of the country and stories are still passed on, with links to fairies being still protected. Fairy forts cannot be destroyed and people still avoid the entrances to the fairy realm. In Scotland, fairies take all sorts of shapes and sizes. The same thing happens in Wales. Instead of being beautiful, fairies here are often ugly and sometimes scary looking. They're both known for bringing good fortune to those who respect them though. Specifically in Scotland, fairies are said to not harm anyone wearing green in woodland areas. Welsh fairies have a darker side though. If anyone crosses them, they respond with spite. 
One story tells of a man who killed a fairy and was cursed by them. His hair and beard were turned into snakes, and it was impossible for him to eat or drink anything but water. They can be placated by offerings though, and Welsh fairies love food. The Spiderwick Chronicles and the subsequent 2008 film based on the books demonstrates this perfectly and demonstrates the kindness of the fairies, but also how they can act when angry. The books and films are set in New England though, which is quite away from Wales. One of the biggest reasons for the way we view fairies is Germanic folklore. They appear in a lot of fairy tales as both good and evil forces. One good fairy is Frau Holle. She lives in a forest and is responsible for bringing winter to the area. She can bless people with good luck and help them find lost items or give them money when they need it the most. Probably one of the most famous of the Germanic fairies is Rumpelstiltskin. An ugly fairy, he is said to have appeared in the grim fairy tale Snow White and Rose Red, not related to the Snow White with the dwarves. In this story, he is trying to steal the treasure of a bear. The bear had been terrorising Snow White and Rose Red all winter and they had gotten used to it. Rumpelstiltskin attempted to get the bear to kill the girls and ends up dead instead. He also had his own story where he created a deal to help a miller's daughter to spin gold, but in return he would get the woman's firstborn child. This is thwarted by the woman who learned that there was a loophole in the deal that involved learning the true name of Rumpelstiltskin. In 2010, Shrek brought Rumpelstiltskin back. In Shrek Forever After, Rumpelstiltskin makes a deal with Shrek to give him some peace. He's once again the villain, keeping Shrek from living the life he'd created once the deal is enacted, leaving him to find his friends, convince them to help him, and attempt to take down the evil fairy. This was followed the year after by Once Upon a Time in 2011. This show took fairy tale characters and put them in a tiny town in Maine under a curse inflicted by the evil queen from Snow White. Rumpelstiltskin is a major character in this, having made deals with several characters of many fairy tales. He kills the fairy godmother and makes a deal with Cinderella helps the evil queen's mother by spinning the gold, and is even the beast from Beauty and the Beast. Fairies have mystified humans for hundreds of years, but there was a moment where people believed they were truly real. In 1917, Elsie Wright and Francis Griffiths managed to capture them in photographs. The two girls lived in Cottingley, England, Elsie was 16 and Francis was 10. At the bottom of Elsie's garden, the pair stumbled upon a group of fairies. They posed for photographs with the girls. The girls developed the photos in the dark room Elsie's father had in their house, then showed their family. Elsie's father didn't believe them, but her mother did. 
she took the photos to the Theosophical Society two years later. They were immediately amazed by the photos and launched a campaign to convince people that the photos were real. Edward Gardner, a writer and leading member of the society, gave lectures on the photographs, made copies and passed them around meetings. People were initially sceptical, but spiritualism and mysticism were popular and resonated with many. People became eager to believe in the existence of the fairies, hoping it would usher in a better world and a way to communicate with it. Even Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, a trained physician and the author of Sherlock Holmes, believed that they were real. Doyle was also a spiritualist and saw the photos as evidence that people could communicate between the material and spiritual planes. An article written by Doyle appeared in the Strand magazine and he sent Edward Gardner to visit Elsie Wright and Francis Griffiths. Gardner told them to go and find the fairies again and they came back with more photographs. Gardner and Doyle loved them so much that Gardner brought in a psychic who said that the whole place was filled with fairies. The photographs were revered and people said that because they were taken by children, they had to be real. Even novelist Henry Devere Stackpole said that there was no way that they were faking it. The general consensus was that the girls were telling the truth because they looked like they were telling the truth. Over time, people forgot about the fairies and life moved on. The interest in supernatural phenomena was disappearing and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was making himself look more and more unhinged in his pursuit of proof of the supernatural. Elsie and Francis never produced more photos and the hype around it died down. Over the years, people continued to track the girls down and asked them for more details about the fairies. Some even tried to get them to admit that it was all fake. That happened in 1983, when they admitted to faking the photographs. They maintained that they had really seen the fairies, but had faked the photographs. Elsie said that all the photos were fake, but Francis said that the final photo was actually real. Even Francis's daughter believed that the fairies were real, and some people still believe the whole thing was real, even over a hundred years later. Fairy lore is complex, and each version of it is intertwined with the other versions of the folklore. I could probably dissect it and talk about it in a lot more depth, but that would take a long time. Instead, let's look at the way that fairies are described. Fairies come from European folklore, and each origin is intertwined with the others. They appear in so many stories, but what do they look like? 
Early depictions of fairies had them looking more like trolls. They were malformed and misshapen and generally disgusting. At the same time, they were also depicted as extraordinarily beautiful human-like creatures. Some were tall, but the majority of them were mostly childlike in size. There were many ways to distinguish them from humans though. Some had green or blue skin, or even no nose. There was a list of things to look for, like pointed ears, webbed fingers and toes, and even wings. Their look had an overhaul in the Romantic period. Ugly fairies were completely replaced with beautiful fairies we recognise, looking more human than before. Their trickster nature was almost completely removed and they became friends to humans. They kept their height, and we see this in A Midsummer Night's Dream, when the fairies are almost human. The 1917 Cottingley hoax changed the fairies once again. This was when fairies became so small. Before this point, the tiny fairies were only known as pixies. We see the joining of the two in Peter Pan. Tinkerbell is a fairy, but gives off pixie dust when she needs to. Because of this, pixies lost their wings and had to become something else so that fairies could become what we know them today. With that out of the way, should we look at the possibilities of what fairies might actually be? Fairies, the tiny winged people filled with magic, are actually so much more as we've seen today. What are the theories on what they are though? First, we have to address their roles in the stories that they're in. In Germanic folklore and even Greek mythology, they often show up in a case of deus ex machina or plot armour. Their entire role is to offer aid or a gift to prevent a horrific end for the protagonist. Sometimes they appear to do completely the opposite and create said horrific end and, in the case of Rumpelstiltskin, he does both in his own story. This role makes them mysterious, seemingly owners of knowledge that mortals can't have. It would make them just a plot device, without much substance at all. How could they exist if that was all they were for? Then we look at the Celtic and Irish legends. Here, fairies have a much larger role in things. They're able to take people to their world, bestow gifts upon them, or even warp reality to change things as punishment for upsetting them. What causes the difference? The answer to that is belief. In Germanic stories, the heroes are humans, and therefore must save the day. 
in the Irish and Celtic legends, the main characters are the fairies, making the stories completely different. The belief of fairies is deeply rooted in Irish folklore and was in Celtic folklore at one point. Their roles are different because of this. As for theories though, several have appeared over the years. In the 19th century, people argued that fairy tales were actually retellings of battles from years gone by. Alfred C. Haddon even believed that they were stories told by Iron Age humans that were actually stories of conflicts from the Bronze Age. This is entirely possible, at least until you get to the part of the theory that suggests these stories were specifically from Great Britain. Grimm's fairy tales are German, and mostly focus on the Black Forest area of the country. Other fairy tales come from other countries, like Beauty and the Beast being French, so it can't specifically be from any particular country when you consider the role of fairies within the stories. Still in the 19th century, Scottish writer David MacRitchie theorised that fairies were actually a race of pygmy humans who lived in underground tombs and passageways. He believed this because George Schweinfurth had discovered African pygmies in the 1870s and ditches had been discovered near Stonehenge, which features a lot of tombs nearby in the form of cairns. The theory was seemingly irrefutable when R.G. Halliburton found a group of people that were called dwarfs in the Atlas Mountains in Morocco. However, that was the 1890s. Advances in archaeology, linguistics, anthropology and other things have shown us that these things aren't true and that a race of tiny people had never lived in Europe. The two theories from the 19th century actually combined folklore with Charles Darwin's theory of evolution, which is where the ideas came from. It even delved into Christian folklore. St. Patrick was said to have expelled snakes from Ireland, a situation that never actually happened. Robert Southey suggested that the fairies were just a way to tell the story in a different way, with the fairies being druids and therefore the snakes being druids, who were expelled from Ireland and persecuted by Christians. Whether or not that's true is open to interpretation. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle thought electromagnetism had something to do with it. He even wrote a book about his experiences in Cottingley in 1922. He said that fairies existed on a different vibrational spectrum. Similar to X-rays and ultraviolet, the spectrum was invisible. Unless someone could tune themselves to that frequency, he believed that the fairies in the photos looked two-dimensional because the fairies were made of pure light and therefore cast no shadow. We know now that it was at least mostly a hoax and the fairies were just paper cutouts held up with hat pins. As with all folklore, there's the chance the fairies don't actually exist. We have no modern proof of them and the most proof we ever had was a huge hoax. It's easy to believe that they're only things that show up in stories or the reason for rural superstitions, so that's what we believe them to be. People disappear, 
then return with no knowledge of what happened or refusing to talk about where they've been. So they must have been taken by fairies. That exact reason is exactly why some people believe in them though. The person returning has been gone for a long time and returns looking exactly the same. Sometimes they may look the same but be a completely different person. The only explanation is fairies. There just can't be another explanation, can there? Whatever you want to believe, folklore is something that should probably be respected. If you're not respecting a fairy fort for the fairies, do it for the people who have to live near them. The story and descriptions from this episode came from a study.com article that looks at fairies. A Medium article called The Fascinating World of Fairies, an in-depth look at folklore, legends and more. A Wilderness Ireland article on fairies and a Quartz article about the Cottingley fairy hopes. The theories from this episode came from an OZY article called The Science of Fairies and an article by Dan Baines called The Attempt to Prove the Existence of Fairies. References for the episode and links to studies will be posted on social media for you to have a look at. Social media links are available using the link in the episode description. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and I'm planning on posting short episodes of TikTok as well as putting the episodes on YouTube, and I'm in the process of starting that now. I have a Patreon, but I'm still deciding what to post on it this season. There is a £3 tier if you want to support me anyway. The link to the Patreon is also on the link tree, and as before, you're welcome to pledge more than £3 a month, and I'll find something extra special for the people that do. My email address is also in the episode description if you want to send me spooky stories, unexplained events, or even mysteries you want me to look at. If I get enough, I'll set up some listener episodes to read them. Please don't hesitate to email me if you have any corrections or issues with things that I've said. Once I've seen the email, I'll make sure to correct myself. The next episode will be out on Wednesday, and next week's Creature Feature will be out on Saturday, February 25th, so hold on until then. <laughs>